minutes away from meeting the legend, the jewel in the tiara, the most valuable asset in CIA's stable, only 300 meters from the quiet street where he would meet Marble, sophisticated, urbane, in his 60s, major general in the SVR, which was the successor to the KGB's first chief directorate, the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, the Kremlin's overseas spies. Marble had been in harness for 14 years, a remarkable run considering that Cold War Russian sources survived an average of 18 months. The grainy photos of history's lost agents clicked behind Nate's eyes as he scanned the street. Penkovsky, Motorin, Tolkachev, Polyakov, all the others, all gone. Not this one. Not on my watch. He would not fail. Marble was now chief of the America's department in the SVR, a position of colossal access, but he was old-school KGB, had earned his spurs and general star during an overseas career spectacular not only for its operational triumphs, but also because Marble had survived the purges and reforms and internal power struggles. He did not delude himself as to the nature of the system he was serving, and he had grown to loathe the charade but he was a professional and loyal. When he was 40, already a colonel and serving in New York, the center refused permission to take his wife to an American oncologist, a mindless display of Soviet intransigence, and she died instead on a gurney in a Moscow hospital corridor. It took Marble another eight years to decide to prepare a secure approach to the Americans, to volunteer. As he became a foreign spy, an agent, an intelligence lexicon. Marble quietly and with courtly grace had spoken softly to his CIA case officers, his handlers, apologizing self-deprecatingly for the meager information he reported. Langley was stunned. Here was incalculably valuable intelligence on KGB and SVR operations, penetrations of foreign governments, and occasionally, when he could, the crown jewels, the names of Americans spying for Russia. He was an uncommon, inestimable asset. 2218 Nate rounded the corner and started down the narrow street, apartment buildings on either side, the uneven sidewalk lined with trees now bare and blown with snow. At the far end of the street, silhouetted in the light from the intersection beyond, a familiar shape turned the corner and began walking toward him. The old man was a pro. He had nailed the four-minute window. Nate's fatigue fell away, and he could feel himself rev up. As Marble approached, Nate automatically scanned the empty street for anomalies. No cars? Look up. No windows open, apartments dark. Look back. Cross streets quiet, scan the shadows. No street sweeper, no lolling bum. A mistake, despite all the hours of his SDR, of provocative maneuvers, of waiting and watching in the snow and cold, a single mistake would have one inescapable result. The death of Marble. Not, to Nate, so much the loss of a source of intelligence or the beginning of a diplomatic flap, but the death of this man. Nate would not fail. Marble walked unhurriedly forward. They had met twice before, Marble had been assigned a succession of CIA handlers, had educated every one. Some of them had been accomplished, and a few, 
Marble had suspected galloping stupidity, and one or two had displayed a terrifying langour, a potentially fatal disinterest in being professional. Nate was different, interesting. There was something, an edge, a focus, an aggression in pursuit of doing the thing correctly. A little raw, a little compulsive, Marble thought, but not many had the fire, and Marble approved. Marble's eyes narrowed with pleasure at seeing the young American. Nate was average height and thin-framed, with straight black hair over a straight nose and brown eyes that kept moving, glancing over the older man's shoulder as he approached, watchful rather than jittery. "'Good evening, Nathaniel,' said Marble. Slight British accent from the assignment in London— leavened by his time in New York, a whim to use English to be closer to his case officer despite Nate's nearly fluent Russian.